This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, please visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. This is more geared towards your athlete, but it works for everyday blue-collar worker or anyone who has aches and pains. You do not smoke this. You do not ingest this. has less than 1% THC. You will not get high. So what do you do with it? You rub it on your body. It's lotions. It's roll-ons. It's sort of that type of stuff. It works wonders. Takes away the pain, so go check out blackbeltcbdproducts.com. If you're into nerd culture or you like collectibles, sign memorabilia, or any of that sort of stuff, please visit firstroll.ca. This is a Canadian company based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. So to all you American listeners, everything you see on that website is in Canadian funds, so it's a little bit cheaper rate for you. Like I mentioned, they got signed sports memorabilia, they got wrestling figures, they got comic books, anything nerd-related. The best thing, they update daily their websites, so please visit them every day. And are you into video games? What about books? If so, please visit BossFightBooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Super Mario Brothers 3, Resident Evil, NBA Jam, and so forth and so on. They got everything you need and literally want if you're into video games. Check it out. Available in paperback and in ebook format. And check out my previous episodes. I've had a few of the authors on. It's pretty good stuff. So please support bossfightbooks.com and if you want to support me directly please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device that you're listening to me on it's embedded right there in today's description click on that link it takes you right to my merchandise store i got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to coffee mugs to baby onesies to covid masks to phone cases anything you literally need or want is right there but if you don't want to support me monetarily totally understandable the most easiest and best thing you could do it's free of charge, takes you two seconds. Please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest has lent his vocals to such projects as Dragon Ball Z, Full Metal Alchemist, Sonic the Hedgehog, Naruto, Pokemon, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Street Fighter, One Punch Man, My Hero Academia, Wreck-It Ralph, Castlevania, Resident Evil, Final Fantasy, 
I could go on and on, but sorry, guys, this is just a one-hour show. Voice acting legend, Kyle Hebert. Hey, what's up? <laughs> what's going on, Kyle? How are you today, my friend? Well, successfully dodging the Rona, you know, <laughs> a national pandemic is... Uh not even national it's global global, global yeah. pandemic has uh has changed our world and uh here we are um now in a in a, an environment where all the voice acting is done from home right. and uh still loving it i miss the cons though i gotta be honest to get out there and get that one-on-one interaction face to face with the with the fans who who make such a cool job as voice acting possible in the first place no so, kidding right yeah. well you Right off the hop, you mentioned two topics I want to touch on. First off, let's go sure. right into how you've adapted during COVID. So you have your own little, I guess, shit shift make studio in your house, I believe. And that's how you do all your work. You send it off that way. Now, do you like it this way or do you prefer actually going to a real studio? For the sake of getting to see people I normally don't, you know, people I've I've worked with on projects for years or, or meeting new people, absolute, absolutely, I'm, I miss that aspect of it, okay. but I am spoiled by being able to roll out of bed, come into the closet recording right. space that I have, and just record. I don't have to get in the car and face traffic and and all that stuff it's just super convenient so we're using interfaces such as skype and zoom for the visual element for dubbing purposes and we're using uh an apps uh well several apps but the one i use most mostly is source connect which will digitally patch in between your source and the person on the other side so you know we have engineers we have directors all this we're all coordinating i'm reading the script on my screen and i love it i love it i I, I'm spoiled by it. I, I can't get enough of it. So it's great. You know, when I'm done, it's like, oh, okay. I don't have to go anywhere to, right. to get something to eat. I'm just going to the kitchen and relax or go. Let's go Netflix. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And then the second thing you brought up, doing the cons. So obviously yeah. during the pandemic, you're not allowed and you're not able to do any of the cons. So what? what's uh, minus the fan interaction, what's one of the major things you miss about doing these cons? Well, it helps keep the bills paid, so that's been a that's been sure. a gut punch to the wallet for sure, as, as as everyone can relate to right now. Either they've lost right. their jobs, or had their hours cut, or had to adapt to something completely different. And uh, the business model that I was used to is I, I voice act full time, right. and I go to conventions. You know, sometimes one every couple months, sometimes a couple. And uh, there's so many shows that were canceled, and it's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Luckily, I live in an apartment complex where they make financial arrangements for your rent, so <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, that's that's the re- very real thing. It's like, but you're a voice actor. You've been on all these huge shows. You must be rich. Like, no, nope, my soul is rich. You know, doing something that I love and I'm able to cobble together a living. It's just me and my wife here. Um, But, um, yeah, uh, the the convention scene, you know, I love digging around the exhibit halls and finding little collectibles that, you know, because I admit it, I like collecting uh, things of my characters. I like getting the action figures. If they make a Funko Pop, I'll get them. And all that. And that's cool. Uh, yeah. Or going to the conventions and meeting other mutual guests, you know, from the mm. movie and TV world. It's sure. like, oh my gosh, I used to watch you when I was a kid. <laughs> Much like the people who come in my line. They're like, oh my right. God, you're the voice of my childhood. <laughs> so I'm geeking out behind the scenes in the green right. room with, you know, other wrestlers or uh, movie people or TV stars. And mm. it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I love it. 
That's so cool. Well, how about this? What's the craziest thing to happen at a con? Have you ever had like fans bum rush you or like a woman take off her top and like show her titties or something? <laughs> no, no, but I, I've signed all sorts of items of clothing and body parts okay. on all genders. And yeah, it's, it's been strange. Uh, you know, I, I, I've sworn all that off now because I'm very happily married. Right. But, uh, yeah, I've, uh, yeah, it gets a little funky sometimes because the more you go on the convention scene, right. the more the fans are familiar with what you look like. So the anonymity kind of goes away. So if I'm walking around a, <clears throat> a uh, exhibit hall at a convention, people might recognize me because they saw the headshot promo in, uh, in the program guide or something, or sure. they maybe went to a panel. It's like, Oh my God, it's you. And then some people not really bum rush, but slowly, you know, people, Hey, can I have a picture? Hey, let me shake your hand. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, 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 okay. Uh. So I have, <laughs> I have a great amount of sympathy uh, for the actual celebs out there who, who can't have a moment to breathe and can't, can't just do something normal. Like right. go get a, uh, milk and bread and eggs at the grocery store without being like people taking pictures and hey can I can I get can I can I can I and then I always worry about appearing like I'm being too fanboyish it's like right. do I want to go try and strike up a conversation with Ric Flair <laughs> I, want to, I want to what would I say he hasn't heard before right <laughs> so Oh my God, that's so cool to hear. Because again, in my line of work, obviously in podcasting, I've had some big names on before in the past. And it's like, it's true. Where do you draw that line of fanning out to the point where the guy thinks, oh my God, this guy brought me on because he's like in love with me. Or you just want to show appreciation because you enjoyed your line of work, right? Yeah, yeah. So I understand both sides of it. You know, <laughs> being a fan first and foremost, I come from that. I always remember to stay rooted in that. And it's like, right. be humble. Don't let this, any sort of success inflate yeah. that ego because it's, it's pointless and it makes you a jerk and people write you off. And it's so important to me that because I'm so blessed to do what I do, <laughs> that when I interact with a fan, no matter how, Oh my God, oh my gosh, they get, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, that, that is so flattering that right. I get something and I've made a positive impact on their lives. So the least I could do, even if I'm tired or angry about something else, I want to make sure their interaction is positive. So mm. they look back, uh, don't never meet your heroes, man. That guy was a right. jerk. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I want to say, all right, he looked tired, but he was really, really nice. It's like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, <laughs> and that's, that means a lot to me. And you know, yeah, you meet your heroes, you meet people you respect and look up to, and you've watched them in tons of shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they're having an off day and you know, you that's learn, don't take it personally. It's not that they hate you or yeah. mad at you. You know, they're, they just don't know how to put their game face on at least for a minute or two <laughs> and, and just, and do all that. But that's, that's very important to me. I have a very strong work ethic and nice. I, I truly believe in, in, the power of a positive communication experience, especially at the convention level. Oh, that's so cool. I love to hear that. Okay, now I got to ask you, gun to your head, what's your favorite con or expo? Uh, I have loved going abroad, especially Australia, Ooh, New Zealand. Really? You know, seeing the sights, especially New Zealand of like, uh, you know, uh, the special effects company there uh, okay. that did Lord of the Rings. Oh, um, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. What a workshop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got to tour what a workshop and, you know, we saw Mount Doom and all these great mountainside wow. as we're, we're trucking in, in a big bus with all the guests in between one con location and another. We're, we go to Auckland one weekend and then we're going to take a tour uh, of th different things during the week and then we'll end up in Wellington the following weekend. <laughs> and like, oh, 
best burger I've ever had is from New Zealand. Some really? some little one stop shop on the side of the road. It's okay. like this is the best beef ever. Wow. Oh my god. Oh, that's yeah. so cool to hear. So what made you get into voice acting? When did that click in your head? Was it like fate? Was it circumstance? Like, uh, talk me through it. I'll tell you, most people that you interview in the voice acting room will tell you that uh, they didn't seek out to do this right? specifically. Exactly. I'm one of the rare ones who totally did ever oh, since I was a kid. Okay, okay. I wanted to do voiceover because I grew up shy and introverted. Mm. I knew I, I liked entertaining people. I wanted to make people laugh or or just have a good time, but I didn't want them to look at me. So <laughs> I fell in love I with can uh, the, the idea of being a DJ on the radio also fascinated me. So I used as you know, I was a kid growing up in the seventies. So I took a cassette recorder and would do like mock DJ stuff and do nice. funny voices. And, sure. and then I learned up that, that as I grow up, voice acting isn't about doing impressions. It's about acting and, mm. and all that. So, uh, but I did happen to kind of cross over into an audition from radio so I got a broadcast degree from the University of North Texas right outside of Dallas, okay. and I got an internship at a radio network, and it was, I was doing different formats depending on the year. You know, I'm sure. introducing big band shows and, and doing Top 40, and then I'm doing heavy metal, and then a few <laughs> months later, I'm on Radio Disney. Wow. What? I'm introducing Weird Al and Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys, and then sure. Pokemon, this strange thing that's coming <laughs> over from Japan in the late 90s, and like, right, right. whoa. And then this little anime comes along, Dragon Ball Z, and just takes the world by storm. And I'm a huge fan of it first. Oh, okay. Like, wow. And it aired, the, the, the Canadian English dub mm-hmm. came down to the States, the first two sagas, and they kept re-airing in, you know, on independent TV stations at like 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Sure. And I had to sit there and figure out how to program a VCR so it stopped flashing 12, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, I get okay. it. And I remember seeing the very first footage of Dragon Ball Z I saw was like Piccolo in this fight and his arm gets ripped off and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, became a huge fan. Used to go right. around my house imitating the narrator. And then lo, you know, fast forward a few years, suddenly I'm the narrator. And then I'm Teen Gohan slash Adult Gohan. That a lot of fans always continue, you know, get confused when I say Teen Gohan. Mm-hmm. I'm not the Gohan that fought Cell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Gohan that went to the high school on to now through Super. Mm. So I am the Jar Jar Binks of Dragon Ball. You know, Great Saiyan Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. I loved Great Saiyan Man. I love being this hammy, over-the-top superhero right. wannabe. Uh, I had so much fun. And just... You know, the aspects of Gohan being a dork and strong, innately good, a better father than Goku was, a better husband and all this stuff, you know. And Piccolo, let's face it, Piccolo is Gohan's dad. I know, I get it. I totally get it. (laughs) But yeah, that love comes from being a fan first, watching cartoons in the 70s, learning from my dad that Looney Tunes, voiced by Mel Blanc, Mm. irreplaceable, the the benchmark. Of course. I think. And it's like, I want to do that when I grow up. So... I've gotten to live my dreams, get on the radio, and had a, like a 13-year career in that. And halfway through that, okay. it segued into voice acting. So since then, I've left Dallas. In 2005, I moved here to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've continued to uh, be on tons of, of, of anime, video games, and now live-action dubs, because Netflix are, are licensing European shows sure. and Asian shows for English dubs. And uh, yeah. It's pretty wild. That's so cool. Okay, I'm not going to ask you which is your favorite character that you voice because you've voiced over 550 some odd characters. How about this? What's one character you haven't done in a while that you'd like to see brought back? 
Oh, we'd have to bring him back from the dead. Oh. Uh, Kamina on Gurren Lagann. <laughs> okay, okay. Gurren Lagann, he's, he's like this, he's the manliest man in anime. You know, he's he's so positive and inspiring, and he's got this great look about him, and these squirtle glasses, you know, the triangular <laughs> uh, glasses. That, sure. uh, and he helps uh, inspire Simone, the main character of the show, to, to okay. you know, to... to get out there and get her done. And, and he was, he was very inspirational and not much older than what teen Gohan was. And I only have one teen voice. So basically people say, he kind of sounds like great Saiyan man. Like, yeah, he sure does. <laughs> the great Saiyan man. You know, who the hell do you think I am? All that sort of stuff. So that's one I would love to revisit for sure. Now, how about a character you haven't done that you would love to do? Uh, anything they want to throw at me and give me a chance at. Although I say, okay, so this is one that I would love to do, but then again, I don't ever want to because I would instantly be compared. Okay. If I got to be Batman, oh, that would be amazing. But the baggage that comes with that is, yeah, but you know Kevin Conroy. You know, I don't want to be compared to the, the gold standard of Batman. Sure. You know, it's like... I want to have a character that maybe hasn't been invented yet that becomes mm. the next big SpongeBob thing. I, I would love to do that. But in the meantime, right. I have been able to say, okay, I'm a voice on Marvel Pinball of Iron Man. I've done a voice for Super Scroll on Avengers Earth Minus Heroes cartoon years ago. I've gotten to play some, some really cool characters and obviously iconic in the world of video games, Ryu and stuff. But, you know, I'm the dub voice for these characters. And I wouldn't change that for the world. Oh my God, it's so amazing to get to be a part of something because now we're a, we're one a one giant culture melting pot. Right. You know, anime is not just for Japan anymore. Yeah. It's for the world. And you have studios in Japan partnering with Korea and the animation studios in Korea basically animating everything, you know, for, for most American and North American studios. Uh, so... Yeah, it's it's such a such a cool thing. I would love to be in the Star Wars universe. Like, let me of just course. be a stormtrooper who gets killed. <laughs> I want to be like Steve Bloom and Yuri Lowenthal and, and uh, Lex Lang, who've gotten to do this repeatedly in Star Wars movies. It's right. like, man, how do you get in there? It's hard <laughs> enough to get into cartoons, but man, sure. to Lucasfilm, try it's like, can I just be some dude who just gets killed by the Mandalorian? Just, just, <laughs> just want to do the voice. I don't even be on camera. Just give me the voice. You can have a mask on right. or some prosthetic. And it's like, oh, oh, hey, that's me. <laughs> I want to say that. I want to be able to say that. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah, well, you mentioned it, too. Like, now it's worldwide, this anime thing. Because me before... I'm, again, I'm going to admit it now, all the anime listeners are going to boo at me. I'm not a huge anime. Not that I'm not a fan. I never got into it. And I find that it's very overwhelming now in my 40s to get into all this sort of pop culture based around anime, right? Now, yes. one thing first, I did watch Dragon Ball Z a lot when I was about 17 because I did live in Portugal for a year and there were airing episodes there. Mind you, it was in Japanese with Portuguese lettering at the bottom. So half the time, I didn't understand what the hell was going on, but it blew my mind to know there was this type of cartoon. Because like you said, I grew up on Looney Tunes, like Warner Brothers sort of stuff, all that thing, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So to go from that to Dragon Ball Z, poof, blew my, blew my mind. But then I never got back into it, right? But now I'm starting to get into it through Netflix, like you said, and they have their own series and stuff, like Castlevania is one of them. And now I'm currently in the middle of watching Blood of Zeus. So those sort of things are bringing me back in. But I can't get into the other stuff. And I've explained it before in the past. So to help me out this week, we are not alone. I've employed the services of an anime expert. 
Welcome back to the show from the Leveling Up Podcast with Benjamin Banks. Benjamin Banks. Yo, 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 yo. What's good? How's everybody doing today? We are fine, my friend. What's going on? Yeah. Like I said, you are the anime expert. I have to admit, Kyle, half of the stuff you were mentioning went way over my head and I had no idea what you were talking about. So that's why I'm that's bringing... Okay. That's okay, because there's not enough hours in the day that I can sit down and watch all the shows I'm in. And there's shows that I'm in that are so long that I would probably be dead before I caught up on them, like One Piece. And, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Stevie asked me to come on and help him out with this. It's like when he hit me up and was just like, yeah, I'm having Kyle come on to my podcast. I was just like, I know exactly who that is. You don't have to ask me. You know what <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm right there. So I appreciate him reaching out to me because, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a huge fan, man. So I, I'm, I appreciate this, Stevie. Well, I, I'll, I'll say it off the bat, Kyle, before I, I pass over the baton, so to speak, to, to Banks. His favorite, in my opinion, that I keep hearing over and over, and it's sort of making me sick now to this point, is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That's his absolute favorite. So I'm sure he's probably got a ton of questions regarding that. So take it away, Banks. <laughs> you know, Stevie, I, I actually thought that you were going to say My Hero Academia because oh. it's a toss-up between those two right now. Okay. And, uh, you know, Kyle, I think it's cool that you have, like, such a, like awesome career in voice acting where it's like I'm such a huge fan where when I hear your voice on something, I'm like, I know who that is. So <laughs> when you were fat gum in my hero academia like it's cool because you've been on like so many big projects like my hero academia jojo bizarre adventure naruto dragon ball z how is it um when it comes to these series that you that you audition for or you get casted for do you ever read the manga before you get into these roles or do you ever watch the series to prepare yourself for these roles Actually, no, because full disclosure, I don't read the manga because it throws me off to read from right to left. <laughs> mm. And, uh, yeah, again, not enough hours in the day. My, my days, I tend to have, you know, maybe up to a half a dozen auditions for different types of projects, commercials, anime, live action dub, cartoon, whatever, uh, corporate training, narration stuff. Uh, different auditions all through the day. Got to get that, you know. I'm, uh, I've got my wife here with me, so I'll make sure that she's not neglected. <laughs> we spend time together and maintain our sanity during an, a global plant pandemic, and uh, try to forget that the world is is falling apart outside by watching lots of of TV shows and movies. And you know, I, I've I've geekified her, so you know, we'd watch all the Marvel movies and stuff. But uh, yeah, getting to to be a part of these things i have to go in as a blank slate when i'm recording these things i don't get the scripts ahead of time typically and if i do i'm so used to cold reading that uh i know that i trust my director to catch me up and tell me what i absolutely need to know for the sake of my scenes you know i don't need to have a a, a summary i don't have to have seen the footage or anything ahead of time and you think okay on paper it sounds like that would make everyone's performance uh, level up and everything, pardon the pun. But um, <laughs> what I really wish we could do, and there's no way to do it because of the technical constraints of matching lip sync, is record together as a group. 
the way they do on cartoons, oh. except the animation isn't done yet, so they don't have the mouth flap constraints. They all get to play off each other's performance like a radio play. And now we're having to do that in the pandemic for group records. We're doing it via Zoom, and everyone's able to, to kind of play off each other that way. But uh, with the with the whole anime thing, it's it's a different beast altogether. Thank you. I appreciate that answer. Now, on uh, my podcast, we had another Dragon Ball voice actor up there, uh, Christopher Dontrell Piper. He voiced Dipso on Dragon Ball Super. Cool. So, so one of the questions that we had asked him at the time was how the world is now when it comes to anime, how over here in America you can get it instantly and then have it dubbed like that. Now, back when we had him on, like he was telling us that Anime could be dubbed a lot faster. Uh, sometimes like, it could be dubbed in a week. Now, and I know when My Hero Academia Season 4 came out, um, there, like when it first came out, like it, it aired in Japan, and then I, I think it aired over here in the U.S. the same day. Like You could watch it on, uh, on Hulu and the Funimation app. But it's like as time progressed, it was like some of the, the dubbed episodes came out probably like a week later or two weeks later. Like, Why was that? If you don't mind asking, I think it's just uh, a sign of the times. You know, the the fans for decades have been like, uh, yeah, piracy has always been an issue, torrenting and all that. It's not that fans are trying to be devious; they want to see their content, they want to see the latest episodes. And if they have to go to some skeezy website where <laughs> there's going to be no money going back into the studio and funneling the way that it should, uh, that that bites into everyone's profits. And without profits, you can't make more of the same show. So. Uh, and, but you're also not going to get rid of piracy all the time. So I think there's been a concerted effort on parts of North American studios and Japanese studios to say, all right, if the Internet's here, the Pandora's box is open, we need to embrace it and adapt our business model to that. So with a huge franchise especially, I think it's super important to get it out there to the fans as soon as possible. Get it officially subtitled on the same night or same week or whatever. And if you can get the dub out within that, that time constraint, absolutely. And everyone wins. It's like it's better to be a fan now than it was 10 years ago. Or even 15, 20 years ago, where you'd have to wait years for a show to get licensed. I know that Naruto was a thing five years before the dub started. You know, I would go to these conventions and see, what's with all these kids wearing headbands? What is that? It's like, that's the, that's the big thing, man, Naruto. Like, or, or Naruto, depending on how people would pronounce it, right? And it's like, okay, all right. Flash forward, 2005, I moved to L.A. Steve Bloom, uh, who I met at a convention, talks me into the studio where Naruto's being done. And suddenly I'm Kiba on Naruto, and then I get onto Bleach, and then I'm Aizen on Bleach. And like, oh my god, everything's just spiraling off of that, which led to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Back around to Dragon Ball Super, and all this just like, pew, 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 you know. <laughs> Squirrel, you know, my attention span's going every which way. <laughs> Oh, so cool. I'm glad that you just mentioned JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because, jo like Stevie said, that's something that I really, really love. Like I just started the series last year, and then I finished it all within last year. Um, now, how do you feel about the weirdness that comes with that series? Because there are a lot of fans who don't like JoJo just because of how weird and how over the top it is. Yeah, once I understood that that is absolutely their intention, um, I understand that it, it, it probably would have somewhat of a limited appeal. 
you know, maybe people, it's like, where are the women in this show? There's so few. It's like a very, it's a sausage fest in here. It's like so many dudes. Uh, but it earns its title, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And every time I would go and record on the Stardusters Crusade, Stardust Crusaders stuff as Kakuin, my dub director, Tony Oliver, would say, okay, just, just go along with it. And I have a phrase for whenever things are so bizarre, a.k.a. you're just bizarre and you're having a hard time trying to wrap your head around it. You just go, oh, Japan. <laughs> you know, you just do that. You're just like, wow, wow. What are they? OK, OK. I mean, we all have some very strange content over here, but uh, yeah, yeah. And I haven't I haven't seen what beyond what I've recorded on that show. All I know is when I did some test episodes of Stardust Crusaders first and then a year or two passed before we actually did the whole show. Uh, Viz released a couple online and the reaction was so positive and everything. It's like, oh, this this fan base is rabid. I had no idea. I remember Joe's Bizarre Adventure as a video game title that came out on Dreamcast yes. in the 90s. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been around for a long time. Because like I said, like it was one of those things where I really, I knew about it, but I didn't get into it. But then once all the memes kept coming and all the videos that people were putting out, I was just like, okay, let me check this out. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like once you step in, there's no going back. So. Yeah, yeah, and I'd seen, I saw the meme of Kakuing bouncing the cherry on his tongue, <laughs> and then in the English dub version, it's like, lick, 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 lick. it's like, oh my god, I can't believe there's a meme of something that I will do in the future, and then it comes out. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's so strange. It's like, all right, this episode, you're going to fight a baby. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, quick question. Yeah. You, you just brought it up, uh, the Dreamcast. Now, when, say, a character of yours from the anime world gets translated into a video game, do you also voice that same character, or is that different? Is that part of your contract? How does that actually work? If the studio... Uh, work it into the contract and the budget, of course, because dubs aren't cheap. But if they if they if they budget for a dub to be produced, then it's it's usually nine point nine times out of ten they're uh, they're going to go ahead and reach out to the same cast to gotcha. reprise those roles. Okay. There have been a couple occasions where we've had uh, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, which was a game series before it was anime, mm. but. With anime, it went to Funimation in Texas, and because of weird turnaround time constraints and Sony Television purchasing Funimation at the time, they were they weren't able to reach out to Sam Regal and me and all these other. I did Miles Edgeworth on Ace Attorney Six, so we didn't reprise those roles in the anime. It's a complete Texas-based cast, but that is like the exception, not the rule. We try to we try to if we can, you know, if the actor is willing to or if they're available. Yeah. And if not, then yeah, they'll recast. But it's always a very slippery slope with that because the fans are like, we're so-and-so. They're supposed to be voicing this, you know? Well, now I got to ask this. You voiced one weird, well, not weird character, but a weird video game altogether. You were the voice, and I got to bring this up because my wife's actually going through the series now. You voiced Carlos Solis for Desperate Housewives, the video game? What is this thing? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a murder mystery. Uh, it was on a CD-ROM. Remember that CD-ROM? <laughs> wow! Back in the day, yeah. A, based on the hit ABC show Desperate Housewives, right. Carlos Solis. They got, <laughs> I think, the main cast to reprise their roles, or maybe not. I don't remember. I had been in LA for like a year or two, okay. and 
they sent me uh, an audition for that character. It's like, we're looking for a voice match. Mm. So the gravel nature of my voice and I guess, you know, the slight <laughs> twist to it or something. And I got called in. So I had recorded for two four hour sessions on that game. I never played it. I have no idea if it's any good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you throw people for a loop when you say that you're in what game? <laughs> like, I know, I know. My first video game that I was on was Blood Rain 2. Oh, okay, that's cool. Back in the game, Laura Bailey was Blood Rain. So yeah. all the Texas-based, tons of Funimation, Dragon Ball Z people are in that game. Mm-hmm. I'm just like a monster, just a, one of the monsters she has to fight. But um, it's, uh, yeah. So um, I had a question, uh, since we're talking about video games sure. now. For the longest time, you were voicing Gohan in the Dragon Ball Z video games. Mm-hmm. How did it feel when you found out that they were actually bringing Dragon Ball Z back? And it's like, okay, now I'm actually doing the anime again and I'm not doing the video game. Because I'm pretty sure like doing the video game over and over, it's like you're just repeating a lot of the same dialogue for years. Especially what, uh, dra- I want to say like probably like 10 years 10 or 12 years, they were just coming out with Dragon Ball Z games, and now you're actually coming out with new content. So how did it feel when you found out that they were bringing the series back? I felt like, finally, because I knew it was a matter of time. Mm. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Because it's just one of those rocket, sky-high franchises that it's never going to go away. It's like Pokemon. It's like generations have grown up on it. And then those people have their kids and they're raising their kids to be geeks too. And, you know, (laughs) taking their kids. Some of them are even naming them after anime characters. I've met a little boy named Gohan before. And it's like, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that kind of support from the fandom community. And now with the internet and social media, you get that live instant uh, pulse of the people and it influences the studios are listening. They may not give you what you want a hundred percent of the time, but they, they do hear you. And that was an option that wasn't there decades ago. So yeah, I, I was through the roof excited when it's like, well, first we had new movies, you know, we had uh, resurrection of gods and then resurrection F and then Broly. Hey, I gotta, I gotta complain here as great as Broly is. Where's Gohan? No one even mentions him. Where is exactly. I was thinking that the whole time. It's like it's like you have all this power on Earth, and where's Gohan? Gohan was just chilling. He was just like, nah, I'm not messing with that. Yeah, I'm just sitting at home with Videl and uh, feeding the baby, I, I guess. I mean, I, I could have helped. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, year after year, it's like we had at least one new Dragon Ball Z uh, game a year and all this, and then we came back with Kai before the movies even started up again. So Dragon Ball Z Kai was this rare instance where we got to revisit and redub our performances, basically, from the beginning. So uh, as many people prefer the original Z uncut as opposed to Kai, where it chopped the filler out, I would I would say that I think the actor, everyone is a better actor, a more experienced actor by the time Kai comes around. And yeah, they replaced a couple voices, but uh, I mean, I didn't get to be the narrator again, so I'm sad about that. But I got to be Gohan when he first appears in high school, and I'm a more seasoned actor because of it. And everyone else is, too. So if you do a comparison between Chris Abbott's Vegeta on Kai versus in the beginning on the Funimation Texas dub of Z back in the day, then you're going to notice a difference because the show practically directed itself. We've been these characters for so many years 
that it's like okay it's like it's on autopilot this is great well i was just gonna ask are you a, a gamer yourself kyle oh yeah i'm terrible i'm a button masher <laughs> i will freely admit that i'm not competitive in the least but i've loved games ever since my atari 2600 in the early 80s oh wow beautiful yeah, yeah so the last question i have for you is a lot of fans like to say dragon ball z is better than naruto and naruto is better than dragon ball z so I want to ask you, what do you think is better and why? Well, uh, I think different shows speak to different tastes. You know, there's people out there that will never watch One Piece, for example, because they think, oh, that, that animation style is just unattractive. Or JoJo's, it looks too weird or, or whatnot. And people like what they like. And whatever resonates with them, I think, is awesome. I think there's room in this fandom community for people who prefer either. I, I'm not just saying that because I think, you know, it doesn't need to be a competition. That doesn't, that doesn't suddenly devalue someone who is like, oh, yeah, well, I think my show's better than your show. <laughs> it's like, okay, and... That's your opinion. You know, I happen to think my show is infinitely more interesting than your show. Mine has layers and yours. They're both, what, shonen anime? I mean, you can include Bleach in there, too. And it's like, well, yeah, the, the fans, I mean, I guess if they're bored, they could sit there and try to compare them. But they're not really similar stories, even. So it's almost apples, oranges kind of thing. You know, I think there's room for everyone, though. Um, I started with Dragon Ball Z. So, yeah, there is some bias there. Dragon Ball Z started my career i was a fan of that first and it came first chronologically uh but naruto i haven't seen enough of it to, to truly gauge what i think is better i have seen almost all of z okay. and i do love that show but can i judge it against other franchises to be to be fair no not really because i haven't seen all the other franchises <laughs> thank you i appreciate you saying that because i feel like with a lot of anime fans uh, you have some that like to say that Dragon Ball Z is the you know end all be all, and they don't like to give other animes a chance, which is crazy because in the '90s and the early 2000s, we really didn't have that much. And now, like how you said earlier, like there's so much anime out there, like there's so much to watch. Like you have your horror anime, action, adventure mystery like there's so much to choose from so i appreciate the answer that you gave and not just saying oh dragon ball z is better because like i said you have those fans that are like that yeah yeah and you know to to a lot of uh women they grew up with sailor moon yeah that's right, and yeah. i'm not trying to downplay the male side of the fandoms that also love those shows too but uh, as an example you know other huge tentpole franchises especially airing on toonami and, and cartoon network in america during those the early 2000s especially you know you had people that uh, north america was introduced to the gundam series with gundam mm -hmm. wing that was a hit too um it hasn't taken off in the same way it has in japan yu yu Hakusho, while it does deserve a chance damn it uh <laughs> it was edited because you know, because the the time slot during the day, and I think to it, it should come back and re-air now. You know, Cowboy Bebop is an all-time standard classic. Ghost in the Shell, take those things; they're going to repeat those things. Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball Z, these things aren't going to go away. 
and it speaks to the fandom. The fandoms, it, it meant something to their own lives, and it's just great to see. There's room for everyone, you know. Tell the, tox- the toxic side of fandom that they're a loud vocal minority. You know, they're, you know this isn't a contest, okay? They're, this is a world. We got one spinning ball through space, <laughs> and we got one chance. So let's enjoy what we have, you know? Well, speaking of space, perfect segue, Kyle. It's like you've done this before. One of our favorite things that we all agree on, that we all love, is the Alien series. I got to touch on this with you because I still haven't even brought this up in almost 200 episodes of podcasting. But this is one of my favorite sci-fi series of all time. Again, being an 80s baby myself, I grew up on this. This was my jam. I loved sci-fi. I loved horror. The meshing of both is perfect. To me, Ridley Scott is a genius for coming up with this. So what sucked you into the Alien franchise? I think seeing... God, I was so young, but, you know, 1979, <laughs> seeing the trailer, and I didn't get to see it in the theater. I think I saw it at home when, when yeah, me Betamax too. was fighting out with VHS. Yep, Someone had a copy of it on Beta, and I went to their house, and <laughs> okay. they were too loud, so we couldn't really see all of it, but it's like, I was hooked. Even watching on a tiny TV, it's like, oh, this is so cool. I'm watching a rated R movie. I'm being bad. <laughs> but, you know, seeing, you know, all this stuff and yeah. seeing the genius of Ridley Scott and, and all that, even to this day with him producing Raised by Wolves, a fantastic sci-fi show on HBO mm-hmm. Max, which is kind of a, a spiritual successor mm-hmm. with their androids. They have the milky stuff inside their bodies too and, right. and all that. And, I, you know, I, I've all, always loved the early parts of the Alien franchise. Prometheus and, and, and Alien Covenant for me were like, uh, kind of a letdown, but the standard is set so high. I, know, I love right? Aliens because it's a badass action movie, but Alien is a great haunted house horror movie. Right? But they're yep. both sci-fi. You know, it's 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 a cross genre sort of thing. So I absolutely love what all these filmmakers have brought. I I even find merit in Alien Three. A lot of people wrote it off. I liked Alien. it. I liked Tom Adventure wrote it off, and that's his first movie. And wow. it's like, no, you know what? The director's cut of Alien Three. It's even better. So I, I, mean, I dig it. I can see why people didn't like it. And then I saw Alien Resurrection. And it's like, no, no, they think they're missing it. They're, they keep missing it. Why? Aliens versus Predator. Oh God. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. It seems like they just wanted to focus more on action after yes. how successful Aliens was because Aliens it brought in the action aspect, and I did enjoy it. But once it got to Aliens Three, I was just like. Eh. Yeah, he had a CG alien, and it's obviously CG. It's, you know, 1993, so it's like, oh, it's so old. But you had the genius of, okay, yeah, it's a guy in a suit in Alien. (laughs) But with Alien, with the the cutting and all that stuff, I mean, James Cameron takes six guys in six alien suits and makes Mm. it look like hundreds. So with editing, you can totally manipulate what's going on and... Uh, build these aesthetics that have leaked over, and, and you've seen tons of ripoffs or uh, homages, rather. Uh, it has inspired so many filmmakers and so many, even the lesser crappy direct-to-video thing. You can have a fun watching a campy movie that was totally ripped off of Alien or or whatnot. But yeah, I have been fascinated fascinated with especially those first two. Yes. Um, well, I enjoyed especially Aliens because then it just opened up and it was more than one. And then the face huggers made more of an appearance and then yeah. seeing the nest. And it was like, holy shit, this is, took it to another level. I, I just loved Aliens. To me, I've like, I, and to be honest, I think I watched Aliens before I watched Aliens. So maybe that's why I'm a bit more biased towards it. 
I can see like 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 anime fans who 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 crap on dubs. They'll say like, well, I saw it in Japanese first. It's so much better. It's like, <laughs> well, people are biased by what they see first. It's true. I mean, and it's fine. You know, it's fine. I I get it. I can see why, especially today's generation, which is a lot shorter attention span, that someone would be more into something faster cut and and interesting and alien stuff from the 70s or older. It takes its time. It's a slow burn. And if you have that patience, it rewards you in spades. But I could see today's, you know, a millennial or something turning in and watching alien, just finding it boring. Well, you that's know, why like, I, I wanted to ask Banks, because he's a millennial. He's not as old as we are, Kyle. So I wanted to know through his perspective, again, going back and seeing this old school special effects and everything and watching it for the first time after the year 2000, how did you like it the first time you watched it? I enjoyed it. Like, I actually just watched all three movies, I want to say two years ago. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the first one, like, it scared me. Like, the <laughs> one scene where I can't remember the, uh, the character's name, but with he was crawling through the vents and then the alien appeared like yeah. I jumped, and I was just like, man, like this is good. And like how you were saying earlier, Kyle, about like uh, the CGI and the prosthetics, like I'm a prosthetics type of guy. Like one of my favorite movies is the thing. And uh, yes, me too. I love the prosthetics that they have in that movie. And yes. like even still watching that movie to this day, like the suspense and the slow burn and just letting everything marinate is it's, it's so good, man. And I was so disappointed when uh, the sequel came out. I want to say it was like 2016, 2017, where they said that they did have prosthetics that they were going to use, but then they went with the CGI route. And mm-hmm. CGI, I mean, it, it can be fine, but it's something about those prosthetics that scare you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I really enjoyed all of the Alien movies except uh, except Alien 3. That was the one that I really okay. didn't enjoy. And Resurrection was okay, but like you said earlier, like all the action just took over. And um, I just watched Prometheus this year, and it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started on Covenant, and I need to finish it. But something that I'm playing right now, and I'm playing Alien Isolation. Have you played that game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a masterful uh, execution in, oh, my God, this is scary. It's just you and the alien on, his, on the Nostromo. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's uh, and like it's my first time playing the game, and I'm playing on the hardest difficulty. So Oof. there's times where it's What's like I'm high, and I'm like, okay, the alien didn't see me. And then it's like I'll, I'll exit out of something, and the alien runs back in the room. And I'm just like, now I'm getting frustrated playing this game, which – you know, I'm what I'm 31 years old. You know, dying multiple times in a game like it's make me feel like a kid again. Because I'm just like, yo, like I'm 31. I, sh- I should know what I'm doing. Like, how the hell do I keep on being killed by this alien? So, I highly recommend that game to anybody that's listening to this episode right now. It's a really good game. I'm 51, and I'm used to dying in games because I'm so bad. And I keep doing it. I Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, okay, I'm Operation Meat Shield. I get sniped in 10 seconds. Oh, let me try again. You know. Yeah. See, but on the flip side, you got people like me, like Kyle as well. I'm sick and tired of dying in video games. So now that I'm older, I want to cruise and play on very easy. And I'm not oh, yes. that. I, I don't. I'm not into the, like the Hitman series, those sniper type series where you have to like sneak around. I, like Kyle, now I'm pure mutton, uh, button masher, gun and run, all that sort of shit. That's what I'm yes. into. That's it. So for someone like me, I tried Alien. I liked the first few levels. Then I was like, I can't do this. My palms were starting to get sweaty. I was getting nervous. I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm going to throw the remote on my TV. Now nah, I can't play this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
yeah, that 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 does kind of go against what I normally do as a gamer. It's right. like, I'm not really about stealth and, and looking around and doing world exploration. That's just yes. not my cup of tea. Yeah, me too. But be, but it spoke to me in a way that it's like, all right, it's tapping into my fandom of alien. It it's the fuck. It's the, it's the Nostromo, man. I'm going to go around and see these iconic set pieces and, and get to run around with the good old Xenomorph. So the OG Xenomorph. So besides Ripley, who's your favorite character in the Aliens world? Golly. I loved Hicks. I love Hudson. Oh, man. I thought Brett in the first one was, was hysterical. Okay, He's yeah. just so dry, like, right. <laughs> Him You're and Parker's you. connection. Yeah. Uh, oh, just, just great. Yeah, my personal favorite that I could think of, and I don't know why, he always stood out, and it, again, bringing back the prosthetics, the milkiness of it, maybe when he got sawed in half, was Bishop. He was one of my favorite characters. Good old Bishop, and then Ian Holm as Ash in the first movie. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Androids, That's... man. Androids. <laughs> Androids. <laughs> See, this is where the future, you know, everyone who works in the tech industry has watched these films and that's why sci-fi becomes real, Real. you know, you you look on 2001 A Space Odyssey, that's 1968, people were looking at tablets in that movie, it's like, that's probably what inspired the people to make iPads and tablets now, it's like, this is where we're going, so yeah, Skynet will go online eventually, (laughs) well, uh, well, Skynet, I mean, it, uh, it launched in August, like August this year was the year that Skynet launches, and I secretly Ooh. think that they did launch. It's just that we don't know about it. I really think that it happened. Well, there is Starlink. I mean, Elon Musk is probably uh, he's putting that whole network of satellites up there for you know for internet. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about lending your vocals to the Alien series? Would you ever be interested in that? <laughs> Dude, I'm. We're <laughs> actors. We're whores. We don't turn things down, man. But especially something like that, something iconic. Like I would, I would again, I would die happy to get to say I, I did something in that universe because those films were so pivotal for me. Right. Growing up in the '70s and '80s, and and just wow, killer. Well, how about this? One last tidbit before we move on. Did you know there was an Alien the Play out last year? No. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I did see the viral clip. Okay. Of someone who built the power loader, and it's like, oh my God. That's wild. Can you imagine that? It, I guess it flopped because I guess not enough people went or whatnot, but imagine if this blew up like the Lion King did or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was an Evil Dead play. I mean, there's a play for everything. You go in Japan, there's a Bleach stage Jesus. play, there's Naruto. I'm surprised there's not a DBZ one. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, like I guess I guess it's probably because it's an older series that you know they didn't do one. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I'm not just for me. I'm not really into Broadway musicals, so I just can't see Goku out there just breaking into song when he's ready to, oh, you know, powering <laughs> up. And I don't see. Uh, no, no, not my thing. It's like I think I'd rather watch oh, Cats. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Did you watch the movie that came out? No. Uh, should I? Is no, it funny? I, I haven't watched it either because I heard it was bad. Oh, yeah. It looks bad. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I watched the actually live play of Cats, so and that wasn't too good. Like I thought it was going to be, it was okay, but I was expecting so much better because everyone hyped it up so much, and I'm like, this is it. But then again, I have such a high standard now because of the Lion King. I watched that as well, and I don't think anything's going to top that. Like that was just masterfully done. Yeah, yeah. Some things they 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 can translate to the stage and everything. Like I didn't see the the. You know, obviously the aliens play because it was just a, a cut of that. <laughs> yeah. But I was so um, just impressed that kids would would use that their creativity and everything to pay attention to something that way before they were born was a thing. Right? And it's like good parents, man. Good, the parents, you know, indoctrinating their kids. So it's like, all right, this is the stuff you need to watch, kids. This is this is this is where it's at. It's oh, cool to God. be a nerd. It's cool to be a geek. Yeah. Cool to be. just embrace it man before we end off the show with the weird story of the week another thing we're all involved in and we love and we like seeing is professional wrestling so now everyone knows benjamin banks you are a wrestler yourself so everyone knows your story go back to listen to older episodes you'll hear all about how banks got into wrestling and all that but yourself kyle how did you get into being a wrestling fan I grew up, again, in the 70s, so in Dallas, we had the Von Erichs. Ah, Von Erich family was, was something. And then in the 80s, we had the WWF, as it was known, of and course. I got into Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, things like that. And I missed the whole Attitude Era. I, no. I got out of it. I just felt like I grew out of it. And then I came back into it in, like, 2016 oh. when I saw New Day dressed as Saiyans at WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, so I got back into it, and then I would watch it religiously, and then I just found that WWE, for me, was getting a little bit stale. So along comes AEW, ah. and it's like, all right, so I have been all about AEW ever since they launched, uh, golly, uh, January 2019, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yes. I watched all their pay-per-views, I watched religiously every week on TNT. And I've actually talked and touched base with some of the wrestlers there. Kip Sabian, oh, nice. he reached out to me and said, dude, I used to watch Dragon Ball Z, your, your iconic narrator. Can you do some, some Twitch alerts for me? Oh, wow. It's like, sure, if you could tell your upper management that I'd love to voice some promos for huh. him or something. Smart. So, Sammy Guevara, he's a huge DBZ fan. Yes. I watched his vlog. He shows off his entire very impressive Pop Funko collection of yep. every DBZ variant there is. Mm-hmm. So I voiced on his vlog a couple of things, and Fantastic. Chris Jericho follows me. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> this is unreal. Oh my oh, yeah. god, that's so cool! So, uh, w- what about this? You again? You must love this too. How so many wrestlers in their entrance gear or even their in gear? in ring gear how they come out dressed as anime characters yes right yes. so has anyone come out dressed as one of your characters yet not yet ah. not yet but i'm still okay. blown away when i see it you had the young bucks do uh well yeah one of them was ryu actually yeah yeah that's yeah that did happen that did happen yeah yeah i reached out to him and uh I forget which brother it was that dressed up, but uh, he liked my tweet and said, cool, man, thanks. You know, like, oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. a <laughs> Ryu, you know, and I, uh, Kenny Omega, I talked to him briefly because he was our MC commentator on the My Hero Academia during Funimation Con. Mm. Oh, nice. We, I played as Fat Gum, and I played against uh, another character. I totally forget who. Uh, but he was commentating, so it's like, this is unreal. I'm going to fanboy out. This has got Kenny Omega on here. What? It's like, so we've got voice acting legend Kyle Abair. And I'm like, melting. <laughs> like, what? 
what? So I thought, yeah, I've heard through the through the through the grapevine that you're a big uh, AEW fan. Like, yes, yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now I gotta ask though. Okay, because. I always see the glass half full and I'm always playing devil's advocate for everything. It's just the way I'm built. I don't know why I could see both sides of every story when it comes to everything. Absolutely. Now, are you one of those AEW fan fanboys that thinks they do nothing wrong? Or do you see the errors that AEW also incurs every once in a while? Sure, because people are human and they make mistakes. Hmm. Not everything takes off. I mean, I'm sure they're good people. This isn't personal. Of but course. For me, the Dark Order... <laughs> It's okay, not, yeah. I'm not really threatened by the Dark Order. I don't think they're doing a great thing. Darby yeah, yeah. Allen has it spot on. I love Darby. Yeah. I think MJF is the greatest yes. heel in wrestling right now. Yeah, yeah. I love Jericho because he's OG, man. He's, he's great. Yeah. yeah, he's older, but he's still funny, and he's a master uh, jack of all trades. Great podcaster, great rock star, commentator, uh, and wrestler. It's like you get a lot of uh, great stuff. It's great to see uh, Matt Hardy um, uh, come over. And, and, and do stuff. And Brody Lee, I was more excited than before. And then, I, yeah. and then when he came over, it's like, uh, I think the potential's getting squandered here. So I think there is room to improve, especially in their women's division. Yes. You know, they've got Definitely. some, 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 some good stuff now. Uh, they're, they're getting there. Mm-hmm. They're getting there. So baby steps, it can't all be perfect, but, um, I'm not going to write anyone off for it. You know, I'm going to stick course. it out because they're way edgier. They're willing to take risk in yes. a way that WWE isn't right now. And of hopefully course. Vince and their, their management team will, will look at that and say, okay, well maybe we should harken back, maybe not pull back all the way. Cause some of that stuff was, was pretty, you know, over the top. Risque. Yeah. Pretty risque. You know, it's like, yeah, it's cable TV. You can get away with a couple, you know, sure. Couple bad words here and there, but, you know, as long as we're in there and emphasizing the, the, the sports aspect of it and mm-hmm. rankings matter and all that, I really dig that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they're mistakes, but they're correctable mistakes. Well, I have two flaws against Ado, and everyone knows, again, I've talked about one of them I talk about is they don't know how to use their big men. I find that WWE does that the best, the bigger than monster athlete, the guy who comes in, demolishes everyone. WWE has that formula down to a T, even though they do yes. so many wrong things with their athletic guys, with their so-called smaller guys, but their big men, they know how to take care of. Versus AEW is the complete opposite, where to me, it feels like an overly produced independent show where the guys who are getting the spotlight are the so-called indie guys, but the bigger guys are like falling behind and whatever. And it's like, it again, in something where you got to suspend disbelief, you can't suspend that much disbelief when you have someone like Jungle Boy beating someone like... I don't know, Brody Lee, for, for example. You, you, you know what I mean? Right. Like, to me, that should be built up. Like, Darby Allen, like you said, Darby Allen doing perfect. I could see Darby Allen beating anyone on the roster now because of the way they built him up. Same thing yes. with Orange Cassidy. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah. these bigger guys, like, even Brian Cage with the FTW belt, what does that mean? Like, all these big guys had title shots against Moxie, all lost their first shot. So where do you go from there? Like, why aren't they building up the big guys? And then the most important thing that I find is, it seems like you have to be in their club. You have to watch every show that they put out. You have to watch Being the Elite to know what's going on. All their all their inside jokes. For someone who wants to come back into wrestling, it's hard to get back into it when you don't know what the hell's going on half the time. But I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I haven't watched Being the Elite in a long time. Okay. And I don't find myself to be lost. I 
I'm okay with, you know, I just accept the storyline at, oh, these people get along, these people don't, mm. there's this. I'm mm. seeing Wardlow. I'm glad that Wardlow is getting more screen time now because yes. that he's one of those giant beasts and Brian Cage too. I don't understand the whole belt situation either. I get confused with that. It's like FTR, FTW, what? What is, <laughs> what is this matter? I'm a little bit lost there. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and I, I'm happy to totally accept that not everything they do is golden. Of I'm course. not the, the be-all, end-all, like, oh, everything they do is perfect. No, no, not by a long shot. But then get what is, what is. Not, and you need that competition. Like, even Vince McMahon and Triple H themselves have said you need competition to get better. Like, if you don't know what's wrong with you and you have no competition, everyone keeps watching. What's the point of doing anything? Might as well just stay at status quo all the time, right? And when you're someone, a giant like WWE, I can see that things get stagnant after a while. And you just get complacent. And it's like you don't feel like you have to. It, it's on autopilot. We don't yeah. have to really reinvent ourselves because there's no one else that are, that are at our level. Impact is not a threat. Uh, New Japan is not a threat. So okay, we're good. And then they kind of they kind of flinch when AEW does better than they thought it would. Right. And it's like honestly, I don't care if AEW is considered competition. I think the fans are going to go where they want to go. Of course. You know. And there's room for it all. There you go. More yeah. is better, as they say. More is better. <laughs> yeah, it pushes the other product to be better. That's why. Yeah, monopolies are bad. Uh. We, we want, uh, we don't want, even though I'm an Apple fanboy, I'm glad that there is Android. Yes. Because they push each other to of outdo course. each other. And who wins in the end? The consumer. Exactly. So. Perfect. You guys ready for the word story of the week before I wrap this up? You got it. Let's do it. Okay. So what are your thoughts, both of you guys, just quickly, what are your thoughts behind cloning? Yay, nay, is it shady? What, what do you guys think? Uh... I agree with it, but at the same time, I think it's shady because it's like once you die, it's like you die. Like, what was that movie Arnold Schwarzenegger was in? Was it The Six Man? Six, yes, yes, Six Man or something. Six or Day? Six Day, Six yes. Day. That's it, yes. Okay. And it was like, remember, like they were cloning people in the movie, but it's like once you died, like that clone had your memory. So technically, you're dead. I see you know the what same I'm saying? Thing, it's yes. just, yeah, so it's like, People they want they want to live forever, but it's not going to really be them living forever unless their brain gets put inside the body or something like uh like in Get Out where they were putting the people's brains inside. Of, yeah, the, that's different. Yes, the black people. So, hey, I, I guess I I don't know. <laughs> what about I'm you? I'm interested in the uh, the uh, altered carbon idea of sleeves. I like that too. Yes. Download the consciousness and put them in a brand new body. How many people would like to say, oh, I have cancer or I'm obese and I want to be in a better body? And if you have the money, oh God, whatever. But conceptually, <laughs> how cool would it be to, if you chose to, live a lot longer? It's like, okay, so it's a, it's a spin on reincarnation, yeah. Mm. But yeah, the whole thing with clones is, is like, I don't think people should be like playing God that way. It's like when they die, it's like, do they, does that clone have a soul and all that? I mean, I'm not really religious, I'm right. more spiritual, but it becomes that whole thing of it's like, okay, so who is this person? It looks, it acts, it sounds like you, but it was born in a lab. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we should probably not go that route. See, I'm sort of the same way. Like I see both sides, again, always being devil's advocate, but I think it's more for the people left behind. 
like you know what I mean because they still get to have the benefits of having that person with the memories and being pretty much the same person but I'm like you Kyle I think once your physical form dies whatever you are your essence your soul however you want to name it that's gone you're no longer that anymore so whatever iteration comes after it just keeps going from the memories and does that really make someone someone like again that, that could be for another talk for another time but how about cloning a pet how about you have a favorite pet that you loved, you just fell in love with, and you don't want it to go, it dies. Would you clone that? Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it would be like Pet Cemetery, man, and that pet's going to want to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you killed it, though. <laughs> right? Well, this week's story comes all the way from Texas, uh, an Iowa woman had her beloved cat. Apparently she's had multiple cats before, but this cat, just something about the cat and her mesh. She loved it to death and she wanted it to live forever. And she found out that somewhere in Texas, they clone cats. So before the cat died, they did like, uh, they took skin samples, they took hair samples, everything. They blood, whatever they could. And they managed to, now it wasn't born in a test tube. So they put it inside another cat and it was born naturally so they made it that way right and it came out everything's exactly the same just as smart apparently knows everything i used to know before but here's the kicker it's 10 times healthier and now she has the exact same cat the cat doesn't know any different because obviously the cat doesn't know anything about essence about souls like us as we do humans so like you know what i mean she's happy is it really a bad thing? It was born naturally. What's the difference between artificial insemination and this? That cat's going to kill her. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's not the same cat. Like, it's 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 going to become evil. It's going to be like uh, like the animals on South Park. The, the, demon, the demon animals right, living right. in the woods. It's, it's yeah. going to be like that. Oh my god. I think maybe it's different with a pet. Yeah, cuz yeah, especially if you can screen out all the bad genetics of, you know, cancer or the things that that the pets are prone to and maybe they don't live a long life, maybe this might be a, a decent alternative. I know that yeah. The pets are like babies. They they're like children to to the owners. So, and you don't want to let them go, but uh hmm I don't know. I'd have to wrestle with that one. So how about this? This doesn't really make it that weird. This is more sci-fi. Now, this is where it turns weird. It's not weird yet. How about this? So the cat they put it into, right? So that's the mother. The genetics is the son's. So the son is its own father. Like, you see what I'm saying? So the woman adopted the actual mother of this cat. And now it's its mother slash wife? Like, like, you know what I mean? Whoa. Okay, my brain just exploded. Okay. Man, that sounds like some Marvel comic stuff from, like, the 80s, man. This is Black Mirror. Okay. There you this go. Is, this is Yeah, this is what it reminds me of. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, <laughs> right, when are we wow. going to get a season, a season six of that show? I can't wait. Yeah, God, me too. I love that show. Oh That's my God. like a modern day Twilight Zone. It's like right? all the what ifs. It's scary. It's amazing. Wow. Did you watch the new Twilight Zone that came out? The one that Jordan Peele's doing? Yeah, and I was let down. I thought it's the potential was there. Yeah. Maybe it'll get better. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I 
we watched all of season one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do we want to continue with this? <laughs> That's how I feel. Like, I didn't hear any hype. Like, season two was out, and I didn't hear any hype about it. Like, they hyped season one up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and rightfully so, because after Get Out and Us and mm, Jordan Peele, true. you know, now he has Candyman, uh, yeah. which is waiting in limbo because of this pandemic. Of course. But, yeah. I'm still excited to see what projects come out from him, but, you know, it's not always going to be a home run. That's fine. Sure. For sure. I, I agree with you on that. I feel like uh, if his name is attached to something, you know, everybody automatically is going to watch it because it's Jordan Peele. Because I will say that I did that for Lovecraft Country. Now, that was a really good show. Yes. Oh, my God. Lovecraft Country is great. There are some elements where I go, okay, now it's a little goofy. The score, the soundtrack, is it, it sounds like an out-of-tune orchestra. And it's like, why are they interact, interjecting like modern-day hip-hop songs in a show set in the 60s? It just seemed not really to work for me. But dramatically, totally on. The cast is spot on. It's a really wild concept. And I am totally on board to see where that goes. Nice. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you once again. And obviously, thank you, Banks, for helping me this episode. So, Kyle, where could people find you? Where could people get a hold of you? All that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. I'm at Kyle Abert. Last name is spelled H-E-B-E-R-T, like Hebert. But it's Abert, like a giant bear is attacking me. So, at Kyle Abert on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I'm also got a Twitch channel, so I'm streaming nice. video games on Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays at 11 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Pacific, and I'll announce new projects all across that stuff. Facebook.com slash KyleAberVO as well uh, for new projects and updates on online signing streams and all sorts of cool stuff. Cool. What about you, Banks? Where can people get a hold of you? You can find me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, at KingBenji underscore Banks on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Facebook by typing in Benjamin Banks. I should be the first one that pops up. If not, then I need to talk with Mr. Zuckerberg. And you can find my podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, at Leveling Up Banks. That's on all social media platforms. Yeah. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show, support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, helps me out. And please, most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All right, gentlemen, all good? All good. Pinkies up. <laughs> Pinkies up. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, he's Kyle, he's Banks, I'm Steve, this is the podcast, peace.